there are times where I literally stand in the bathroom, look in the mirror and go, I have no freaking idea what I'm doing. Yeah. And it's really, <laughs> yeah. you, you mentioned that it is so uncomfortable for me as an inventor of personality. That's, it scares the hell out of me. And yet I've just stuck with it. I'm not going anywhere. And I have reached what's so different is I've reached out for help in the areas where I don't know what I'm up to, don't know what to do. And I've, I've reached out for help very quickly. And that's made a huge difference. It was such a natural progression of events from the, over the last few years. And I think being in partnership is a big part of how that has gotten the ball rolling, having both personalities involved and having both of us and our spouses in influence ecology. We're kind of inundated and surrounded by this world of work. And so for me, I kind of pause. I can't believe I'm in the position that I'm in. Helping people build ambitious and satisfying careers, businesses, and lives. This is the Influence Ecology Podcast. Now, here is your host, John Patterson. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm your host, John Patterson, the co-founder and CEO of Influence Ecology, the leading business education in transactional competence. Today's episode is one of a series we call Where Are They Now? In this series, we'll revisit guests we've interviewed a few years earlier to find out what's happened since we last talked. Most of the interviews are with those who've completed our curriculum and have been practicing what we teach for some time. Here are some highlights from when we first spoke. If I was ever going to get anywhere, I was going to have to not be everything to everybody. And I also began the process of considering that maybe I wasn't that good at being everything to everybody. And that's where Influence Ecology got on board. And what you guys helped me realize is that we were going to have to specialize at some point. I looked at the things that I thought we were really good at and equipped to handle. And I eliminated the things I didn't want to do as a specialty. And that chiseled it down pretty quickly to a short list and then... When we looked over post-surgical type issues and working with pregnant women, and it, we started to realize that area was something that we had a lot of passion for. And we also had a lot of skill there already. And the third part of that that immediately surfaced is this realization that we were likely talking about something that no one else had done. We have struggled a lot in our relationship and it's been really difficult for both of us at times. And it's been probably the most transformative relationship of my life. I agree. I'm a different person because of John in a really good way. And I think both of us being in this work together and understanding what we're doing it for and understanding the distinctions and being able to hold each other accountable for the commitments we've made and creating this consequential environment it's allowed us to grow as people in a way that is really unusual out in the world. In 2012, John James and Lauren Cato Robertson started studying with Influence Ecology to develop their massage therapy business and now co-own the academy where Lauren first trained. Their journey underscores many of the lessons that come with first expanding, then scaling their business. John says it's been sure joy and frequent discomfort 
In this interview, you'll hear a very transparent view of what it's like to start and grow a successful and expanding business. We first interviewed the business partners in May of 2017, where they spoke about the early days of working together and going from generalist to specialists. Now, you'll hear how they've continued to transact powerfully and thrive. Here's the latest interview. So first of all, John James, Laura, and Keta Robertson, welcome to the Influence, Welcome back to the Influence Ecology Podcast. It was great to have you here some time ago. I think you both know that from time to time we use your offer as an example in our Fundamentals of Transaction program because you did such a great job in applying a lot of what we teach to what you do and how you do it. And I was eager to have you both back because you you may know it, but uh, we've been doing a little bit of a Where Are They Now podcast interview with some people and finding out that people who have studied with us for all of these years are really doing some amazing things. And that includes the both of you. So I just thought it would be great to have you back. How are you? Great. <laughs> Happy We're to be back. Great. Good. Yeah, very much so. Good. Well, let's do this first. Let's take a moment and have you both introduce yourself just briefly. Just say who you are, what you do. And if there's anything you want to say about, you know, how long ago you studied here, that's also fine. But just so people can get a sense of who you are. All right. I am Lauren Cato Robertson, and I am John's business partner, and we co-own a massage academy in Plano, Texas called Kakino Massage Academy and Institute of Healing. Inside of that organization, we also have the C-Section Recovery Center, an advanced clinic, an intern clinic, and a walk-in clinic. So education, therapy, all sorts of pieces to that. I am involved personally in management and all the kind of stuff that goes with that. And I'm teaching our business and ethics curriculum. And mm. I am a practicing massage therapist. And I have been working with Influence Ecology for, I think, five or six years. And I am one of eight people who has completed every program you guys offer. So, <laughs> very good. proud of that fact. Good. Yeah. John James? Well, I in part could say ditto. There's a lot of the yeah. same things. Um, I'm the, the CEO and co-owner of Kakino. Lauren and I also co-founded and co-owned the C-Section Recovery Center, the company that we, we designed and built within the curriculum at Influence Ecology. I've been with Influence Ecology, I don't know, six or seven years, it feels like. Was it <laughs> 2012? A, a little bit longer. It's a little bit longer than Lauren, so... I, maybe a few months. I think, uh, I think six so. months. That sounds right. And uh, here at Kikino, we've been here at Kikino. We we acquired Kikino going on a year and a half ago. So we've been been here applying transactional philosophy, and I'm I'm also involved in teaching the business class, and mm -hmm. I still have a practice here as well. We've got I wear many hats, and uh, just like Lauren does, so. That's fantastic. And I also have a, a wife and three kids uh, in Melissa, Texas, so about an hour north of Dallas. I know you're in the thick of it, 
right? You're in the business, you're in the thick of it, you're in the day to day, as we all are, we know the ups and downs, the headaches, the joys, the oh craps, the, you know, all of it, right? There's, there's all of those kinds of things. But over here, looking, you know, back at you guys, when we first met, you were massage therapists. Is that, is that the best way to say it? Yeah. Okay, and so and now you own an entire school. You you own an academy. You get, you own a school that teaches people a whole bunch of stuff, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But but throughout this journey, you and I'm I'm going to sum up from my viewpoint. You fill in blanks, but you started out where you were. You began to specialize. You you got more specialized. You got more specialized. You started to find a real niche and specialization, got, grew in more and more successful. An opportunity came along for you to not only do what you do, but to teach what you do and to expand all of that uh, through the acquisition of the school. You acquired the school. And now here, a year and a half later, John, I think you've said you've you know tripled your net worth in this whole time. So there's a lot that's there. And if I were simply listening to this podcast as a massage therapist, I might, may never ever imagine my life would go that way. So I think there's something worth, first of all, just stopping to acknowledge about what you have accomplished. Again, I know you're in the thick of it. It's not all, it's not all flowers and roses, right? It's, there's a lot. But at the same time, it's, it's extremely phenomenal and, and we're celebrating. So First of all, kudos to the both of you. Thank you. Yeah, really, really proud of you. Yeah, it is. And uh, just want to hear anything about that journey in general. So one of the things I would say first is that the opportunity of acquiring the massage school was a strategy because the question had come up about what were we going to do next regarding uh, the success of C-section recovery center. And so its success had allowed us to do something like acquire the school, mm. but it wasn't, you know, I guess if a lot of people would look at it, they'd go, yeah, that'd be great if I could do that. But it was very well thought out. It was actually very much tied to our aims. For example, if it had been any other school in Dallas, we wouldn't have bought it. It was, mm-hmm. it was very specific to this school and for a lot of reasons. And so I think that's one of the reasons why it worked. Because it seemed impossible to be really the, the amount of money we were talking about. It seemed impossible, but because it was so well thought out, it wasn't impossible. So mm. I think that um, that really made a big difference because it was very. It wasn't a new thing. Really, it was connected to our to our previous aims. It was it was very much an extension of what we had already been doing. I think that made a difference. So do you mean that the teaching this or owning a school or something, that thinking occurred earlier and was a part of a strategy or it was a, sort of a means in which to satisfy some larger, grander aims? The aim was uh, how to grow the C-section recovery center. And I guess one of the possibilities would be that we dump millions and dollars of it into it and take it nationwide or something like that. And that really wasn't a route that we were prepared to go. But a, a question, and Lauren can speak to this as well, a, a question in a conversation with Kirkland Tibbles came up about how to scale that business. And one of the possibilities and one of the things that came up was the condition of life's education. And a problem that we were finding of finding qualified help 
And then it, the light bulb started to come on of like, well, one of the ways that we could find qualified help is to get involved in creating it. And Lauren, I'd, I'd love for you to give me some, yeah. give us some input here too. In my mind, even before we had the conversation with Kirkland before kind of even before C-section recovery center even existed, I had this thought of having a, a community of therapists come together to study and practice and support each other. And that's kind of the, I, I would say the other piece of what this business has become is a resource for therapists to use each other for help. Because mm. often we go, we leave school, we go off into our single room all by ourselves, and we never talk to another therapist again. And so having a place where everybody can come and commune and have real discussions about how to elevate this profession, how to support each other better is a big piece of it for me. And then in the, in the discussion of C-section recovery center and scaling that up, it's been incredible to see the therapists in the building. They've really taken it on as a project where they're like, how can we help those clients? And mm -hmm. they're starting to find little areas of specialty within what they were already doing that are things that John and I weren't already doing. And mm -hmm. so they've actually, we didn't have to retrain anyone for the most part. We just brought people in who were already doing really good work and figured out how do we apply this to the same client base. And then we've done a little bit of additional training with people where we've taught John's breathing technique and some other techniques like that. But I couldn't have predicted how easy it has been to get other therapists on board with what we're doing. That's great. What um, Lauren is saying makes me think about how I'm not sure we realized the deficiencies we had in talent. Mm -hmm. It's just being the two of us until we had a building full of talent. We began to go, oh, that's what it looks like to be mm. autonomous, mm. is that uh, we, we were like, we didn't know we didn't have that because we, <laughs> we didn't know that existed in a way. And so what we found is that we were servicing these, uh, these clients at a better level than we had before we got here. Can you unpack that just a little bit? Because that's, that's an amazing bit of, of thought. You know, there are people that are hearing that for the first time saying, what? What do you mean by that? We didn't know we're autonomous. Can you just say a little bit more and, and give that some clarity for people who may not understand any of what that means? Well, I think our culture or the current teaches us that autonomy is um, this some sort of state of independence and uh, uh, some state of not needing anything from anybody. And um, I always say that, that autonomy is independence through dependence. And the definition that you guys taught us is that it's having more help than we need. And I guess you could say with just the two of us, maybe we had some sort of autonomy going. But as we moved into a larger environment, I think we were and we started working with more people. We realized that we haven't even scratched the surface of what it would look like to truly use the all of the resources that are available to us that we take for granted, or I, I certainly do. There were a couple of practitioners here in particular. I'm thinking of one person in particular. And when we got here, I was just shocked at how talented he was and that he immediately became a resource for us. 
Mm. And um, he was doing something that our, our clients not only needed, but we did not do at all. And so mm-hmm. we didn't go try to learn what he does. We mm. created a relationship with him, and I'm hoping a really lasting one. And so we started to experience a different level of autonomy, I believe. Mm. That's fantastic. Lauren, anything to add? Well, I mean, one thing that, that feeds into that same idea is uh, we've had a number of practitioners in the community who are people who've been, who are extremely qualified to help us, who've been practicing 25, 30, 40 years, who have approached us going, I want to be a part of what you guys are doing, and mm. how do I do that? And, and we're actually having kind of the problem of, okay, we really want some of these practitioners who are working at this, this level up here, how do we bring them in without causing a breakdown for them? in a major transition and how do we continue to support the people we already have that we love and appreciate and who are doing a great job, but also like there's a a balancing issue now between all of the amazing help that's available and Mm -hmm. what we can actually support given the limitations of space and time. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Welcome to the problems of scaling up. Yeah. So, it's fantastic that you've expanded the environment in the way that you have. Is there anything else that you want to share about what's happened or what new opportunities or discoveries have you had now that you've expanded your your environment to include all those others? One of the things that comes to mind for me really quick is that I'd always heard from you guys that the more successful we become regarding transactionalism is the more declining we will do. Yes. Man, I wanted so bad to experience that. Like, and I, I don't. I maybe had time periods where we were experiencing it with the C-section recovery center, but once we moved here, it's a totally different story. We have more offers, uh, offers to come join us or to be a part of this organization, or just a variety of different things. And so we do find ourselves pausing and checking our aims, and then mm-hmm. accepting or declining offers. We're certainly experiencing that. I don't know that you guys made that as a promise, but but if it was a promise you made, well, we finally got it. And, um, mm. and that's that's been really, it makes it a little easier to build an organization of this size when there's people coming to us rather than us having to go to everyone. Yes. And the more we decline or the more we, we counter offer with people, we find that, that people are more careful about how they approach us and what kind of offer they show up with. And mm. and we've had people here in our building that show up with the best, that they've really thought it through. They're thinking of ways they can be more helpful. And of course, we're thinking of ways that we can help them and help them to uh, meet their aims. That's great. I, I would say that one, one thing that has been really exciting, I think, is that not only do we have all these seasoned therapists and therapists who are working with us and in our offer and C-section recovery and other things. But then we have this whole new category of students. And we have a class right now where we've got a chiropractor, a Reiki master, a yoga instructor, a high school graduate, a naturopath, you know, all these people who are coming in who already have a set of skills who aren't, they're not headed in this direction because they couldn't figure out what else to do. They're here because they really want to be here and they want to learn this art. And 
there's just been this amazing transactional back and forth with the side of the staff that is experienced and knowledgeable and helpful. And then this whole group of students who are just thirsty for knowledge. And there's all this transacting back and forth across the aisle, so to speak. Whereas it's I like don't perform a dream. It's yeah, a what? The performer's dream. <laughs> like a performer's dream. But it, it's, I went here. I was a student here. And that did not exist when I was a student. That's, if it did, it was not, it, it was little and it was individuals finding those relationships. But under new management, it's been very much encouraged to get to know everybody in the building, get to know who your resources are, make sure that you get to know these people while you're here as a student because they're going to be the people who can help you as you move out into the world, into your careers. So, uh, that reminds me of something. And um, you you said you went to the school. Not too many people got to then later own a school they went to. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a, a unique uh, accomplishment to you. I'm interested in your I'll say, I'll say it this way, influence ecology, you know, we're, we're in our scaling years. There's some scaling up that's been going on. It's pretty amazing. And, and I sometimes have to look back and think, my God, how did we get here? How did this happen? How did this come together so quickly? How all those kinds of things. And, and from time to time, it surprises me or uh, get a sense of what we've done here. I'm just wondering for the both of you, here you are, five years or seven years or however many years later, what's that like for you as a human being <laughs> moving through all of this this quickly? What are you going through? Do you mean um, as far as owning the school or going through influence ecology? Owning the school, but more, more than that, accomplishing what you've accomplished. You now have a tribe around you. You now have a you have a school, you have a, a group of people around you, you have an environment of people, you have people coming to you for with offers and stuff that wasn't happening five or seven years ago for you, yeah. for you, right? So what's that like? I think for me, it's, I kind of pinch myself like, what, <laughs> when, how did this happen? You know, it, it's, um, it was such a natural progression of events from the, over the last few years. And I think being in partnership is a big part of how that has gotten the ball rolling having both personalities involved and having both of us and our spouses in influence ecology, we're kind of inundated and surrounded by this, this world of work. And so for me, I kind of pause. I can't believe I'm in the position that I'm in. Mm. It's not that it's not deserved and, and I love it. I love what we're doing is just kind of not something I ever imagined. Mm. John, for you? For me, there's kind of these two competing experiences going on. And one is uh, kind of living my dream in a way. For me, at practicing January, would be 28 years for me. And I'm looking at legacy. And, and that's not something that we've honed in on yet. But at some point for me, this is legacy. So there's there's that. The other part of this is it's been the hardest project I've ever done. It's been so difficult and and it's just required so much more of me and I've I've been in that knowing doing gap a lot you know of where I'm where I kind of have an idea of what needs to be done but I've never done it before and I'm just it's this kind of 
dichotomous kind of experience going on of pure joy and discomfort uh, frequently. <laughs> yes, really yeah. absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I think we can all relate. We can all relate. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it is. We've uh, we've been dealing a lot here at Influence Ecology with knowing. And you talked about the, you know, the knowing doing gap, but also fitness and the kind of fitness that it takes to do things, the kind of fitness to do what you do, to know what you know, the fitness to manage a school, run a school, run a, a business of a school. Nothing can prepare you for the fitness required. And oftentimes it is the case. And, and I can see your, you know, <laughs> Lauren is nodding. Yep. 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 Uh, John, I think you put some of that in your own notes as well, but there's uh, nothing to prepare you for discovering that you, you know, you aren't fit. Doesn't mean you're, you're not prepared and you know, you have the ambition, but you kind of wake up and say, all right, well, I know I'm not fit. I'm clear. I'm not fit. I'm still going to go forward and I'm going to develop my fitness and it's very uncomfortable. It takes a large amount of humility. Um, the willingness to know, you know, to admit to yourself and to everyone else, here's what I'm good at. Here's what I'm not. Hey, I'm working as best I can. I'm developing my fitness. So any, any comment to all of that? <laughs> there's, I mean, there's been a massive knowing doing gap here and, all I can say is, thank God, everybody didn't just quit as soon as we bought the place because the people, <laughs> the people who were already here, don't have the knowing doing gap. You know, their knowing doing gap was, how do I have new bosses? They weren't used yeah. to having somebody on site. the The previous owners were in Florida, and so they were pretty independent here. That I think that really worked to our advantage because. They were already doing everything. The previous owners did, I mean, they did some work, but it wasn't a huge amount. And thank God for Jeannie and Amy, say their names on here, because those two and, and the other people here, I, I don't know how we would have done it without their guidance. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, we acquired a business full of friends and business partners. I literally think they care about it as much as we do. Mm. Not any less. I don't know, maybe somebody's faking it, but I don't think so. It's really amazing to watch and to be a part of that and have, have acquired something. I just feel really fortunate. And um, there are times where I literally stand in the bathroom, look in the mirror and go, I have no freaking idea what I'm doing. Yeah. And it's really, <laughs> yeah. you, you mentioned that. It is so uncomfortable for me as an inventor personality. That's, it scares the hell out of me. And yet I've just stuck with it. I'm not going anywhere. And I have reached what's so different is I've reached out for help in the areas where I don't know what I'm up to or don't know what to do. I've reached out for help very quickly. That's made a huge difference. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> we had a we had a moment uh, a couple months ago where Jeannie, who's kind of the she's the judge who runs the place. And yeah. um has, she was she was my kinesiology and AP teacher, all that stuff. And she came in to John and I one day and she went, you know, for two people who have no idea what they're doing, you guys aren't doing a bad job. And I went, coming from you, that is high praise and I will take it. Thank you. 
If you'd like to know more about Influence Ecology and our approach, you can register for free 30-day guest access. During this time, you can test drive our interactive webinars, online learning system, and private mentorship. Program participation is by application only, and successful participants earn candidacy into our advanced program tiers. Our members are an international assembly of ambitious professionals, business leaders, and executives from a variety of countries, industries, and cultures. To find out more, you can find a link in the show notes for this podcast at influenceecology.com forward slash podcast. That's influenceecology.com forward slash podcast. Or in the U.S. or Canada, you can text the word ambition to 805-262-9008 and we'll send the registration link right to your mobile phone. Again, text the word ambition to 805-262-9008. Also in our show notes, you'll find all the links to websites, books, or special downloads mentioned in this podcast. It reminds me at the major conference just recently, just last week, there was a whole conversation about what it means to be an ambitious adult. And you'll hear a little bit more about this, but there's a few things I'll share with you, and I'm dying to get your response to them. So first of all, we said that adults let the environment do them. Ambitious adults build environments to do the heavy lifting. So I bet that resonates with you. We might be wrong about our fitness and assume we know what we're doing. And then asking for help is a demonstration of ambitious adult. And uh, I'm interested in that particular comment. So asking for help is a demonstration of ambitious adult. John, you just talked a little bit about that. Any Anything else about that? I used to, the question I would ask myself, how can I get through this without getting, without bothering anybody or getting any help or looking like I don't know what I'm talking about? It's probably more appropriate. I don't do that anymore. I, I still want to look like I know what I'm talking about. But by having help with this recent issue, I immediately thought of someone, thought of two people. Uh, coaches that I thought like could help me mm. along with the PIP training I was doing with influence ecology. And I reached out to her and uh, 48 hours later I was in, it fixed a problem that I was having that the problem being that I, I seriously was considering that maybe I wasn't qualified to do this job. Mm. And I went ahead and allowed myself to go there and go, yeah, I'll promise myself if I find that out, then I, I'm, I'll walk away from this. And I'll be honest, I, I think I found out I'm, I'm absolutely not qualified, but I am really ambitious. And I, I'm getting qualified as fast as I can. And I care a lot. And so what I've found in the, I've spent about three months in that with that coach. And I think I've found that it's plugged the gap. I found that I had some naivete in certain areas around being fit, you know, having having organization that's uh, being organized enough to to run a company or my environment being suitable to run a company. And mm-hmm. we found out that we actually have some things we need to take care of. And mm-hmm. as those things are getting taken care of very quickly, I think I might can I may maybe I can do this. <laughs> that's fantastic. So. Well, first of all, I, I got to say, I've, I've known you now for all of these years and for you to say on a public podcast something like I discovered that, or however you said it, I may not, I you know, realize I may not be fit or I'm not fit for this. First of all, congratulations for the transparency and for the ambition. I find that there is, of course, the natural tendency to look like we've got it together and we know what we're doing. 
But for many people who are launching enterprises or who are creating value in the marketplace, they're doing their best guesswork. Now, thank goodness you're surrounded with lots of help where you can say, I'm not fit. I don't know what I'm doing. This isn't something I'm familiar with. I'm skilled in, you know, I have a specialization that has a lot to do with treating people who are in pain, but running a school, that's this, these are different worlds, right? So that you're dealing with yourself about closing that gap. Bravo to you both. Bravo, 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 because I think that's a real strength to be able to admit that because, of course, you can now find help and it's it's in abundance. I mean, there's a ton of it around. So um, congratulations, John. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we've got about 10 minutes left before I'm going to have to jump here. We've talked a lot about some things I think that are very valuable to, to our listeners, especially because people will want to know where are you now? What are you going through? And certainly you can hear that there's all kinds of growth and with growth comes all kinds of, you know, new levels of fitness and dealing with where you're naive, not fit and everything else. Is there anything else that we should know about where are you now? Let's look at the the goodies of where are you now? What's happened? I think one thing that there's a, a change in the way that we work that has largely been influenced by the work with you guys in applying the distinctions of transactionalism and the philosophy to body work and looking Hmm. at, looking at, you know, primarily, obviously we are dealing with condition of life health. What we've come to through this study is that in dealing with people's health in our treatment rooms, we can't ignore all of the other conditions of their environment and that we're really looking at it more, even more holistically than we were before and looking at what is, how is your relationship? How is your spirituality? How is your education affecting how you're able to deal with your health? And so there's a lot of that happening here. And I think being injected into the curriculum into what the students are coming out knowing Mm. is that this isn't just rubbing oil on a body. It's not, I'm going to, I mean, it's great if somebody wants to go work in a spa and take care of people in that way, that's totally, totally respectable and legit. But one thing that we're really trying to do here is make sure that our students get a different level of education on that philosophical, ethical kind of level of how do you really provide valuable help mm-hmm. to somebody? Mm-hmm. And how do you develop as a therapist in a way where you're actually able to really help somebody go through something really, like process something really deep as opposed to kind of the old narrative is don't deal with that. Just be quiet and rub lotion on people and mm-hmm. know your place almost. Part of the purpose of us being here is changing that narrative, changing on the basement level of education, how students are looking at this profession. I think uh, a long time ago, I had this idea for a book and it was called The Touch Revolution. You know, a typical inventor, I just had the idea of the cover and the name and there was no content. (laughs) But what, what, it was, what it was coming from is that I felt like that healthcare in general was returning to something that they had 
had lost and that it, it's rather unbelievable that they lost it, but they did. They was, we, we've gone through a, a pretty significant period of time where uh, Western medicine in particular quit touching their patients. I worked in physical therapy for many years and I, I would go, I remember one time thinking about the days I'd gone without seeing a physical therapist touch a patient. And that's not the case anymore. Both of those industries are changing. And one of the things that makes me so proud of this industry is that we've been around, as best we can tell, about 4,000 years. And we've always used touch. We've, we never left it. We never, we've always been here. And why that's significant to me is I don't think that we're the followers here. I think that we're the leaders in this industry, mm-hmm. in the healthcare industry. I think because we, it reminds me of midwives a lot. You know, uh, midwives, they've never, the midwives that stayed, if you meet a good old midwife, man, they're, they're just so valuable and they've always been there. They've always been there with the philosophy that the mother can do this. And we're always here with the philosophy that the patient can do this. You can do this. You need to be touched more. You need to breathe more. And we just feel like that we're leaders in that, that, and that if someone wants to use touch, to uh, as a way to express themselves or as a way to make a living that they should come here because um, we've got our hand we've got our hands around this we really can help a person turn that into a career it's fantastic so for the bed you can i can hear some satisfaction in some of the higher conditions of life and the commitment to contribute, the commitment to make a difference. Some of the transactional conditions of life, like spirituality or self-actualization, legacy, and the like, some of what you're attempting to do. I'm interested in, and by the way, I love what you just shared. I couldn't agree more. I'm interested also in some of the other conditions of life now in terms of what's happened if you know last time we were together was what three years ago maybe something like that three years ago so what's happened to your money what's happened to you know some of those more fundamental conditions of life what's happened to your work what's happened to your money what's happened to your identity um how have those changed for you i started a project probably three years ago on correcting my money i guess you could say and uh, correcting uh, my credit, uh, I have a credit score, you know, well over 800 now, and mm-hmm. and I just kept working on it. I just really turned it turned it into a pro- project. I did not do it alone. I got some help, and um, in that time period, my wife uh, quit working to to stay at home and work and take care of our children, and so even with the loss of that income, we've done really well. So the condition of like money, I would say, was an area that I've worked on a lot. Spirituality-wise, I've been Warren and I both have been working with a shaman from South America for the last three years. We've involved that person in our community as well, and um, so I've worked on that condition a lot. And then just I, my as far as my identity, I would say that it's changed a lot. Those are the main things I've worked on. Okay, great, Lauren. For you, anything about that? Well. We just bought a new house, so that's exciting. That's Great. part Congratulations. of it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, money and environment are improving. I mean, I think about when I started FOT, I was living in a one-bedroom apartment next to a busy street and hardly making any money. And, like, I mean, three or 400 a week. And 
things are very different now. And, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's nice. And it's not, I mean, it's not extravagant or anything like that, but it is, it's nice to be able to go and buy the house that I wanted to live in to do some renovations and things that we'd wanted to do on the, on a fundamental level, the basic biological needs that were once problematic that were problematic in the beginning are no longer. And, you know, for me, I think the biggest, the biggest change has been in my health. I came into this program really desiring to make some changes to my health and doing some things right, but not all things right. And, you know, looking back, I couldn't have done all of them at once. It took the deliberate practice over the last almost decade to get me where I am now. And I don't, I don't know if you know this, but I actually had a fibromyalgia do- diagnosis about seven or eight years ago. And no, well, when the doctor said it, I said, please don't write that down. And <laughs> I haven't been back to her since. And I, I said, okay, well, that to me, hearing those words goes, we don't have anything left for you. And so I decided to go work on other things. And I'm now, you know, I work with a trainer two to three times a week and I eat really well and I feel really well. I have good health for the first time in my life. So to me, that's been the the most significant development of the last few years is that I feel capable of doing just about anything physically. Right. So it's really great. Yeah. Well, I'm proud of both of you. And there are influence ecology. Just we celebrate our 10 year anniversary this year. And um, we know the number of businesses that start and fail. We know the number of businesses that don't make it to five years. We know the number of businesses that don't make it to 10 years. Um, and we're headed into our annual member conference looking at our satisfaction for the next 10 years. You know, what does 10 years from now look like? And I bring that up only to say that you guys have been on a journey and I hear it only taking speed. I, I hear it growing and expanding and I hear you're surrounded by some really valuable help and you're so smart to, you know, to ask for help and to put yourself in an environment of the right people. And I just couldn't be more proud and I couldn't congratulate you more. And anyway, bravo. Thank you. Thank you. We couldn't bravo. have done it without you. Amen. <laughs> Back at you. Back at you. Didn't we learn a lot together, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't we learn a lot together? All right. John James, Lauren Cater Robertson, congratulations to you both. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having us, John. Today's talk is from a membership webinar where we discuss the fitness to reach ambitious aims and how deliberate practice is a constant throughout any journey. Here's the talk. Remember, deliberate practice includes practices that are designed by someone who understands how to develop your fitness there. It's repeated a lot. The feedback is continuously available. Qualified feedback is the kind of feedback where if I want to perform at a, at a very high level, I may want to seek some really qualified feedback.
because all the while I might self-manage or I might get somebody a little bit better than me, a little more fit than me in the same skill or ability to provide feedback. Wouldn't it be a good idea to really shortcut my training, my learning by finding someone quite qualified to be able to say, no, 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 listen, if you do that, you're going to spend a year later trying to undo all that stuff. Let's get you serving properly from the get-go. Let's make sure that you truly know how to serve the tennis ball, for example. Begin to seek qualified feedback from those who have demonstrated or, or evidenced their fitness in the thing that you seek to accomplish. And I think that's an important point for all of us as we have ambitious aims, as we are always pointing out around influence ecology, get help. But don't just get any help. Get some help from qualified feedback, those who are qualified to offer it. Finally, just taking a look at the other um, elements of deliberate practice, highly demanding mentally. In other words, it's intent. It really is. It, it is intent. This kind of practice is a kind of focused practice that requires an intensity of action and thought. It can't be done for long periods of time because it is just simply demanding mentally. And finally, it's not much fun. Now, I know some people that for them, deliberate practice is everything. And in fact, we have a lot of people that influence ecology because of their ambitions. For them, deliberate practice is a lot of fun. In fact, it's how I know I'm at work on my improvement. It's how I know I'm at work on achieving some of my aims. So while it's not much fun, it's repetitive, you're mostly going to have someone qualified saying, nope, not it yet. Nope, not it yet. Nope, not it yet. That's good. Not much fun, but good. And so I'm inviting you to find the fun in it. All right. A few things just to wrap. Remember <laughs> this year of ambition, lots of peaks, just as many valleys, but don't worry. As long as you're continuing to develop your fitness, your fitness may move along the needle from a two to a five over time. Continue to work on your fitness. It will improve. My special thanks to our guests, John James and Lauren Cato Robertson. In our show notes, you'll find links to connect with them and all the links to websites, books, or downloads mentioned in this podcast. The Influence Ecology podcast is produced by Influence Ecology, LLC, in Ventura, California. This episode was recorded July 23rd of 2019 and was produced by Tyson Crandall and me, John Patterson. You can find a transcript for this and other episodes at InfluenceEcology.com. This episode is made possible through the assistance of the Influence Ecology faculty, staff, mentors, and students around the world. Co-founder Kirkland Tibbles and our colleagues comprise an international collective of professionals who are active in the development of the philosophy of transactionalism and the discipline of transactional competence. Kirkland is considered a leading philosopher and authority in the field and has authored more than 500 papers on the subject, study, and discipline. This episode includes contributions by Carol Gregory. The podcast theme is by Chris Standring and titled Fast Train to Everywhere. You can subscribe to the Influence Ecology podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, or via email at podcast at 
If you haven't yet offered a rating or review, I ask that you take a moment, go to iTunes or your podcast app and let us know what you think. This helps us more than you know. Thank you.